Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Our text this day is the Gospel lesson from St. Luke's 8th chapter, especially these introductory comments. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. So far the text in Jesus' name, dear friends. Please be seated. Infiltrating enemy territory. That theme would call to mind ideas of war, of invasion. That's been heavy on our hearts and minds in recent months, ever since Russia invaded Ukraine. We reflect on it during this month of June as we commemorate D-Day and the landing on the beaches there during World War II in France. If you're going to infiltrate enemy territory, it seems like you need to do one of two things. Either you have to make a really big show of it and do it really, really fast and all at once like D-Day where so many came all at one time and there was no mistaking it or you have to do it really, really quietly and be pretty sneaky and try to work your way in without being noticed and detected. What's really interesting about this text in Luke chapter 8 is that Jesus doesn't do either of those. He simply comes. He just goes about his everyday business. They sailed to the country of the Gerasenes. It just seems so matter-of-fact, so simple and so ordinary. But there's really nothing simple and ordinary about it at all. The country of the Gerasenes Luke reports, is opposite of Galilee. It's on the other side, across. Outside of what would be considered part of Israel. A territory with a mixed population. A population composed of some who were Jewish by nature, but by those who were Greeks as well, and other nationalities and backgrounds and all sorts of religious traditions. We don't know who exactly this demon-possessed man was, whether he was Jew or Gentile, but we also know again from the context that this likely was a mixed area because no good Jew would keep pigs, right? Pigs are unclean animals. They were forbidden to be consumed by the Jews and wouldn't even raise them. But this was a large herd of pigs. They make their living off of raising these animals, marketing them. And this man who had for so long and so many times been possessed by 
not just one, but these many demons, such that he was what we would likely think of as insane. Naked and living out among the tombs. Another area, another place of uncleanness where no good, right-minded Jew would dare to go. Where you could come into contact with corpses and death and all manner of forbidden things. This is where Jesus goes. This is the setting into which Jesus comes. Jesus, the Son of God, infiltrates the enemy's territory where again, no good Jew would dare to go, but the Son of Man Himself does. He enters into the midst of the filth, the uncleanness, and the sin and the death of the world in order to do battle with the evil one. Jesus who himself had no sin, who himself was the only perfectly clean one, entering into the depths of uncleanness for us, for this man to have mercy on him and to defeat the forces of evil in his life. The demons, of course, know who Jesus is. They recognize that. And they know what He's come to do. They know their time is short. We hear the demons begging Jesus not to command them to enter the abyss, not to send them to their eternal destruction and and the place of punishment that's been prepared for them because it's not yet the right time. So instead, well, let us enter into the pigs. Nobody will miss them. (laughs) Well, somebody did. And Jesus gives them permission. And the pigs, in this, what must have been a comical scene almost, unless you were the ones who were going to lose your money, rush down the lake, or down the hill into the lake and are drowned. And from there, the Gospels give us no information about what happens to the demons. Where do they go after that? We aren't told. Presumably, they're just sort of left to kind of roam the earth and take up residence somewhere else at some other point, but it's almost peculiar, almost bizarre, this whole episode. But what's the most important thing to take away from it is at the end. Those who had seen it told the people who came 
how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and the people from the surrounding country asked him to depart from them. The people, when they came out to see what had happened, they came to Jesus and they found this man clothed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed. His nakedness and his shame covered, just as God had done for Adam and Eve in the garden after the fall into sin. Covering their shame and their sin. No longer exposed. No longer under the control and the influence of the evil one and his minions, but sitting at the feet of Jesus. And in true and sincere faith, asking Jesus, let me go with you. I want to be where you are. And then Jesus says something truly remarkable and surprising. He tells this man, no. Not because Jesus didn't want him. The fact of the matter was, Jesus already had him. And he said to him, go back home and tell everyone what God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Bearing witness to Jesus, he sends, Jesus sends him on his way as a soldier of the cross to stand up, stand up for Jesus and to proclaim him and his work to all he would meet. To tell them that Jesus had overcome the devil for him. And that he would do the same for them too. You and I are also people who have been freed from the power of the evil one by Jesus. People who have been brought to the waters of holy baptism the way a little baby named Nolan will be in just a couple of hours. Right here. In the baptismal rite, an older version of it that was common at the time of Luther and the Reformation, there was actually an exorcism (laughs) included in baptism. And the words spoken were, Depart, thou unclean spirit, and make room for the Holy Spirit. Our baptismal rite now says, We are all under the power and control of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. And claim us he has driven the devil out of our lives and in His place bestowed on us the Holy Spirit for our forgiveness, life, and salvation, having united us with Himself inseparably to His death and resurrection. 
And He sends us out as soldiers of the cross to stand up. Stand up for Jesus into all of the places that we would go. To wherever our everyday life would take us. Into whatever manner of filth and uncleanliness we may find ourselves. There are too many times though in our lives that we have the attitude of those in our Old Testament who say, don't come near me, for I am too holy for you. It's too easy for us to forget that we too were at one time those who were unclean. Those who were in need of mercy and forgiveness. That we once lived among the tombs. That we once were naked and ashamed. But have now been clothed by Christ made His disciples and sent out. Return to your homes and declare how much God has done for you. How He has covered you with the robe of His own righteousness that covers all your sin. How He has died on the cross for you to make you clean. How He has overcome the tempter in your life by taking your place so that they too may know the good things that God would have in store for them. Dear friends in Christ, no matter where you may go, no matter what you may do, no matter whom you may encounter, stand up, stand up for Jesus as soldiers of the cross. He has infiltrated the enemy's territory for you and He will now use you to drive that same devil out of the lives of others. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.